For our scripture reading, we turn to the book of John. Chapter 9. We read the last part of John 9. We start at verse 24 of John 9. The Lord's Day, we consider, speaks about Christ as the, as the mediator and also about how we know about Christ, from what source we know about the mediator. And in this passage also, we consider the subject, the passage that we read in John 9 and John 10, we see references to the truth of Christ as our, as our mediator, and also about him as the light, that he is the one that opens our eyes so that we see he's the one that works in us faith. We consider, we start reading at verse 24 of John 9. Then again called they the man that was blind and said unto him, Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. This is the Jewish leaders that are calling in the man that had been born blind and, and Jesus had healed him. And they call him in and they say, Give God the praise. We know this man, referring to Jesus, is a sinner. He, that is the blind man that had been healed, he answered and said, whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. Then said they to him again, What did he to thee? How opened he thine eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and ye did not hear. Wherefore would ye hear it again? Will ye also be his disciples? And they reviled him and said, Thou art his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spake unto Moses, As for this fellow, we know not from whence he is. The man answered and said unto them, Why, herein is a marvelous thing, that ye know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened mine eyes. Now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. They answered and said unto him, Thou wast also together, altogether born in sins, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, 
and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Jesus said, For judgment I am come into this world, that they which see not might see, and that they which see might be made blind. Some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words and said unto him, Are we blind also? Jesus said unto them, If ye were blind, ye should have no sin. But now ye say, We see. Therefore your sin remaineth. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him. For they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and, they might have it, and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. He that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is an hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself, I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. There was a division, therefore, again among the Jews for these saints. And many of them said, He hath a devil and is mad. Why hear ye him? Others said, These are not the words of him that hath a devil. Can a devil... Open the eyes of the blind. So far we read from the, from the Holy Scriptures.
on the basis of what we just read and all the rest of scripture is a teaching of our Heidelberg Catechism in Lord's Day 6. There we read, why must he, that is our mediator and deliverer, why must he be very man and also perfectly righteous? Because the justice of God requires that the same human nature which hath sinned should likewise make satisfaction for sin, and one who is himself a sinner cannot satisfy for others. Why must he in one person be also very God? That he might, by the power of his Godhead, sustain in his human nature the burden of God's wrath and might obtain for and restore to us righteousness and life. Who then is that mediator who is in one person both very God and a real righteous man? Our Lord Jesus Christ, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Whence knowest thou this? From the Holy Gospel which God himself first revealed in paradise and afterwards published by the patriarchs and prophets and represented by the sacrifices and other ceremonies of the law and lastly has fulfilled it by his only begotten son. Dearly beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, this Lord's Day, as was mentioned, is a Lord's Day that's similar to the previous one in certain respects. It talks about the fact that we need a mediator and that our mediator must be very man, that he must be perfectly righteous, that he must be very God. This Lord's Day also brings out the fact that he must be in one person, not two persons, one person, both very God and a real righteous man, and answers the question, who is? Who is that mediator? Our Lord Jesus Christ. And we come to God by him. Jesus is the good shepherd, as he set forth in the passage we just read. There's a number of terms that are used. He's called the good shepherd. He's also called the door. In verse 9, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. And shall go in and out and find pasture. But this Lord's Day also brings out the question, whence knowest thou this? 
And then the answer from the Holy Gospel. Earlier in the Heidelberg, you recall that there was a question about knowing our misery. Whence, from what source, knowest thou thy misery? And then the answer that was given is out of the law of God, we know our misery. Now, this time the question is about the mediator. And the question, whence knowest thou this? About Christ the mediator. And the answer from the Holy Gospel. From the Holy Gospel, which is the Gospel of Christ. And we hear Christ's voice who speaks to us the word of God. Who speaks to us the good news of the Gospel. And we take note in the section that we read. We read part of chapter 9 and part of chapter 10 to take note of the relationship between these two. Chapter 9, 10, we read of him as the good shepherd, read of him as the door. Chapter 9, we read of him in the, as the light. And we might be inclined to you know, usually read chapter 9 or chapter 10 and either talk about him as the light or talk about him as the door and the, or the shepherd. But we see there's a connection between these two that's brought out in this section. First of all, when you go into chapter 10, although it may have been a different time, it doesn't, it doesn't bring out any change in time. It doesn't make a reference to it being a different time. It goes right from Jesus saying, if ye were blind, ye should have no sin, but now ye say ye sin. Now, I mean, now ye say we see, Therefore your sin remaineth. Verily, verily, I say unto you, and so on. And it goes right into chapter 10. Also there's a similarity, although the symbolism changes, where you have the idea of the light, and now you have the idea of the door. You have the, the Jewish leaders in chapter 9 being the ones who say they see. When Jesus said that he came that those that see not might see, and that those that see might be made blind. Well, when he speaks that language, makes a contrast between those who see and those who see not, and that he came that those that see not might see, and that those who see might be made blind. Now, those that see the Jewish leaders are among those who say we see. Jesus pointed that out in verse 41. But now ye say we see. Therefore your sin remaineth. So in chapter 9, the Jewish leaders are those who say they see. In chapter 10, the Jewish leaders are referred to as the, the thieves and the robbers. The same, you know, somebody that climbs in some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. So the symbolism changes, yet there's a connection between these two. In fact, we see that also in the last verse that we read. We ended with verse 21 that makes a reference back to chapter 9. We read that when Jesus 
When he had spoken these words, there was a division among the people. Some said, he had the devil and is mad. Why do you hear him? And others make a reference to what we read of in verse 9. Others said, these are not the words of him that hath the devil. Can a devil open the eyes of the blind? So it's good for us to see also the connection here between these two, and that both of these subjects are also taught in this Lord's Day. The subject of Christ as the mediator. Christ is the fact that he is the door, and by, me, by him, if anybody enters in, they will find pasture, that our Lord says, by me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. We consider him as the mediator, and we consider him also as the light, as the one who causes us, as he caused this man to know the good news that Jesus is the mediator, that he's the savior, that he's the son of God, our savior. We consider this Lord's Day under the theme, the Gospel of Christ. We consider, first of all, the mediator. Secondly, the Gospel. And then thirdly, the, the sheep. First, we talk, and relatively briefly, as this is really the same subject you had in Lord's Day 5, although the wording is a bit different. It has to do with why did the mediator need to be man? Why did he need to be righteous? Why did he need to be God? With regard to why he had to be man, well, it has to do with the justice of God. Man had sinned. And the same human nature which had sinned should likewise make satisfaction. We see how that's similar to what was said in the previous Lord's Day. Uh, God will not punish any other creature for the sin which man hath committed. So we needed to be a man. We needed a mediator who was a man. Secondly, we needed someone who was a righteous man. You know, we can't satisfy because we daily, we daily increase our debt. And this Lord's Day says somebody who is himself a sinner cannot satisfy for others. So we needed somebody who was not only a man, but a perfectly righteous man. And that meant that his nature, he'd have to have a sinless nature. And he would have had to have never committed any sin. A perfectly righteous Man. A mediator also, we needed a mediator also who would be God himself. Well, why is that? Why did he have to be God? And the answer that's given is that he may, may by the power of his Godhead sustain in his human nature the burden of God's wrath. For him to do that, to sustain the burden of God's wrath and obtain for us and restore to us righteousness in life, we needed one who was very, very God. Uh, the uh, 
The previous Lord's Day had said something similar. No mere creature can sustain the burden of God's eternal wrath against sin so as to deliver others from it. But now this Lord's Day also brings up the idea when you talk about him, he must be God, he must be man, he must be a righteous man, and he must be God. The idea that he is one person. We talk about the human nature and the fact that he's a sinless man. We talk about his divine nature, but then we also talk about how it's, he's not two persons, he has two natures, but he is one person. And this Lord's Day says, why must he in one person? We don't have two saviors. We had one of which would just be a man. We have one savior, and as far as his person, he's the second person of the Trinity. The second person of the Trinity took upon himself the human nature. And this Lord's Day explains that and gives an answer to a question that sometimes young people get wrong. If the question is asked, did Christ sustain the wrath of God in his divine nature or in his human nature? There's a number of times that a young person will answer his divine nature. And that's not correct. This Lord's Day explains that. It says that he might sustain in his human nature. Remember, it was a man that sinned. He sustained in his human nature the burden of God's wrath, but he did that by the power of his Godhead. So we read of his Godhead, and we read of his human nature. One person who sustained in his human nature the wrath of God by the power of his Godhead and obtained for and, and restores to us righteousness and life. So that very briefly brings out why he had to be man, why he had to be a righteous man, why we needed a mediator who was God himself, and also that it would be, he'd be one person. The second person. You know, of the three persons, which one would it be? The first or the second or the third? The second person who is himself eternally the Son of God, took upon himself the human nature. And now also as a, from the viewpoint of his, his human nature, that his father, his father is God. One mediator, our mediator, both, but one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. That idea of the term mediator, the term is used in 1 Timothy 2, verse 5, that he is a mediator between God and men. 
The man Christ Jesus is the mediator between God and men. And that man Christ Jesus is God himself. He's both God and a real righteous man. And we come to God by him. Jesus said, By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. Shall go in and out and find pasture. Those who believe in Christ are saved. They're fed. They're protected. We come to God by him. By him we have access to the divine majesty. We have fellowship with God, communion with God, coming to God by Jesus Christ, the mediator, believing in him, believing what we read of here concerning what he has accomplished and that we have forgiveness of sins. We are righteous in Christ and that the spirit of Christ works within us, giving us life everlasting. He's our mediator. He's the mediator and head of the elect. Now that's an important point. We talk about Christ as the mediator. It's important to confess that he's the mediator and head of the elect. That's, we, we confess that in the first head of the canons, Article 7. That specifically, of the elect, he's our mediator. He is our head. He's king over all. He has all authority in heaven and earth but he has appointed the mediator and head of the elect people. His sheep. He's the shepherd. We are his sheep. He lays down his life for his sheep. He works by his spirit in his sheep. The mediator of the elect. And there's only one. We don't pray to Mary and we don't pray to other saints or angels. There are many people that pray to Mary. Familiar with that. We confess that the scriptures make very clear that Christ is the one mediator. Scriptures make that very clear. There's one God and one mediator. One, only one, between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. One mediator. Our confessions, the Belgian Confessions, Article 26, says quite a bit on that. Of course, we understand that the confessions are written in the context of explaining the truth over against the heirs of, Rome, of the Romans Church, is one such group that is spoken against, and the truth is 
is brought, is set forth over against what the Romish church practices. And so when the subject of Christ as our mediator, as our intercessor is brought up, there's a rather lengthy section about the fact that he's the only mediator. He's our intercessor. And that this practice of going to Mary or other saints is actually dishonoring them. It's not honoring them. That's something that they themselves would speak against. And we read of in the scripture, for example, that when somebody fell down, like when Peter came, came in and somebody falls down at his feet, he'd say, get up, I'm also a man. But it was not the case that they would desire this. That they themselves, you know, spoke of the fact that Christ is the one mediator. And who loves us more? Our confession says, who loves us more the one than, than the one who laid down his life for us? If we want a mediator who loves us and, and, and who has power and majesty and an intercessor who will soon be heard, well, who loves us more than the son who laid down his life for us? Who has more power and majesty than the one who sits at the right hand of God? And who will more sooner be heard than God's only begotten Son? In Christ we have all we need. And that's brought out in this Lord's Day too. When it says in answer 18, Who then is that mediator who is in one person both very God and a real righteous man, the answer, our Lord Jesus Christ, who of God has made unto us wisdom. We have wisdom in Christ. And righteousness and sanctification. We're righteous in Jesus Christ. He sanctifies us. And redemption. He has redeemed us and he works in us. He gives us the comfort of knowing we are righteous in him. Christ's righteousness is imputed to us. By the Spirit we are sanctified. All that we need we receive from God through Jesus Christ, our mediator. Yet many reject him. As was the case in this history. In this history, you know, when you look, when you read John 9 and John 10, we're familiar with, this, with the story. John 10, the book of John reads relatively easily as far as the words are concerned. We're struck by how profound the message is that is there. It's one of the easier books to translate from the Greek into English. And as we read through it, it's relatively easy to follow through and understand the words from a certain point of view, to understand what is said, yet what is said is so profound. When we read the history of this man that was born blind, and then we only read the end of the chapter, 
Uh, you're familiar with the history of the man that was born blind and now he comes to see. And the joy that man must have had that he had been, he'd never seen. And now he could see where before, before he could not. And as we look at the chapter, we notice that this miracle of this man that was born blind and now he can see that we are being directed by God to look at something spiritual that also this man was being guided to see in more than one sense. It wasn't just simply that his physical eyes were open, but also he was coming to recognize and to confess that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus came to him and said, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? And he said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus says, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. So it's not only about the fact that he has physical sight, but he sees Christ the Son of God. And he confesses, Lord, I believe. And he worships him. So that we see that this section is also about coming to see, understand that Jesus is Son of God, our Savior. And that's what this Lord's Day is about. It's not only about who the mediator is, but whence knowest thou this? How do you know this? I mean, that is the question. The question is, how do you and I know this? From what source? Actually, the wording is whence, which is, from what source do you know this? And we say, from the gospel. Well, what is, what is the gospel? And that's another important point that sometimes takes a number of times to, to give instruction. It's, it's pretty basic, and yet at the same time, younger children tend to just answer that question when asked, what's the gospel, to just say the word of God. Well, that's true. But more specifically, the term has the idea of glad tidings, or good news, and it's about the mediator. So that preaching the gospel is always going to be preaching about the mediator. It's going to be preaching about Christ. Which means then, too, that if that is set forth in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, that we're constantly to be looking at it from the viewpoint of what? What is taught here about Christ and about his work? Now right here, it's out in the open. Christ himself is speaking and he's talking about his work. But there are other passages where that might not immediately be clear to us. What is this? But we know, wherever we are in the scriptures, that all of the scriptures are speaking to us about Christ. 
in the Old Testament ceremonies and in the, in the law and the, in the prophets and the Psalms, we're always being taught about Christ. It's not only in the New Testament that we read about him. And that's brought out in this Lord's Day too. Because the Lord's Day, when it says, Whence knowest thou this? We say from the Holy Gospel, which God himself first revealed in paradise, already in the Garden of Eden, when he spoke about the coming of the seed of the woman, who would crush the head of the serpent, that already that gospel was revealed in the Garden. Afterwards published by the patriarchs and prophets in the Old Testament that we read in the books, the first books of the Bible and also in the, the prophets later that they're always speaking to us about Christ, about the coming of the righteous one, about the coming of Emmanuel, about the coming Savior who would suffer, who would suffer and who would die and who would be who would be uh, raised again and who would ascend into heaven. The scriptures speak to us about him and about though, though forgiveness, there is forgiveness, the forgiveness of sins, those who believe in Christ the Savior. Now they in the Old Testament were looking forward to the coming Savior. We now look back at what he has accomplished and we also look forward to his return. We know all those sacrifices, you know, the, the, those ongoing repeated sacrifices pointed to the fact that those sacrifices, the fact that they were repeated, were not going to take away sin. But there was a coming high priest who would offer that one perfect sacrifice. The gospel was set forth in the Old Testament, too. And then lastly, it says it was fulfilled. That gospel was fulfilled by his only begotten Son. Whence knowest thou this? From the Holy Gospel. Well, who speaks that gospel to you? Who told you the good news? Christ has told you. Who told this blind man about the Son of God? Jesus himself did. And although Jesus speaks through men in the preaching of the gospel, sinful men, Yet it is the case that Christ speaks and we hear his voice. When that gospel of Christ is proclaimed, we hear the voice of Christ. And Christ causes us to see, to recognize, to confess that Jesus is the Son of God. We see that in this we see that in this history, how Jesus opened this man's 
eyes and then also guided him to understand the truth concerning Jesus. At first, what Jesus did is he spit on the ground, he made clay, put clay on the man's eyes, told him to go wash in the pool of Siloam, which he does and then he sees. And then people are asking him, when he's asked, how are your eyes opened? He at first refers to him as a man, a man called Jesus. Then, they, then we read of the Jewish leaders questioning him. And the Jewish leaders had concluded, he's not of God. He doesn't keep the Sabbath day, because he did this on the Sabbath day. And they asked this man that was healed, what do you say of him? And then he said, he's a prophet. And then we, we started up in our reading today when we read that they said to him, give God the glory. We know this man is a sinner. And at first he said, whether he's a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know, I was blind and now I see. But then as this conversation goes on, when they say, we're Moses' disciples, this man we know not whence, from whence he is. Then as he starts to, th as he's thinking about this, he says, now, this is a marvelous thing. Here's a marvelous thing that you know not from whence he is. And yet he's opened mine eyes. And he's putting this together. We know that God heareth not sinners. See, earlier he had said, whether he's a sinner or no, I know not. Now he says, as he's having this conversation, now he says, we know that God heareth not sinners. But if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, will he hear him he heareth. Since the world began, it is not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind. If, he were not, if this man were not of God... He could do nothing. And then we read that they cast him out. They had said earlier that if any man confessed that Jesus was the Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. That was in verse 22. They were saying they were the teachers. They were the ones that give the instruction. They're the shepherds. They're the teachers. They're the ones that see. And anybody that confesses that Jesus is the Christ is put out of the synagogue. And when this man says that if he were not of God, he could do nothing, well, then they, they cast him out. Thou was altogether born in sins, and dost thou teach us? You don't teach us. We are the teachers. We see we're the teachers. Well, it is the case today that there's many that will say, listen to us. We see. We're enlightened. We're the ones that are the shepherds. Listen to us. You follow us. You believe what we tell you. <coughs> Jesus said that he came that those who see, who say they see, that they might be made blind. 
and they would go deeper into darkness. They, in their own mind, you know, in their own thinking, they're arguing that they see. They don't need, they don't need Christ to instruct them. They reject what Christ says. Well, so is it today that many people reject the word of the gospel. They reject what Christ says. There are many that say, Lord, Lord, yet they don't do what he says. That's what Jesus himself pointed out in Luke 6, 46. That many will just say, Lord, Lord, but they don't do what he says. They don't teach what he taught. There are many that reject it. The ones who believe in him. Jesus said, I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. I'm a light into the world. I come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. God works in his sheep by his spirit and causes us to recognize that we don't see. The ones that actually do see in the sense that they recognize that Jesus, that they know Jesus is the Messiah. Their eyes have been spiritually open. They also are the ones that confess that they have so much to learn. And they keep wanting to look to the word to teach them. So they don't listen to, so it's not that they, when Jesus speaks, they think, I don't need, I don't need to hear that. I don't need to receive instruction from him. But there are those in whom the spirit works, the spirit works in us so that as we read the scriptures, we're always trying to understand what is being taught to us here. What's the instruction about Christ here? Many go through the, you know, many don't read the scriptures, as you're well aware. There's a lot of homes where people will say they hold to the Bible, and they may have the Bible somewhere on a table or something, but they hardly ever read it. And many children grow up in homes like that, where they know that, yeah, we confess we you know, that we're Christians and that we hold to the Bible, but as the children grow up, they recognize they really don't know that much about what's in the Bible. Maybe when they were real young, they went through a few Bible stories, some history stories in the Old Testament, and that may have been some time ago, and they've kind of forgotten a lot about those stories. Just remember a few, some parts of them, 
but recognizing that the Bible, you don't really go to it that much. And, and it's such a, from a certain point of view, it's such a thick book. There's so much in here. And you have to think, well, we don't really need the instruction. Not really interested in it. Maybe read lots and lots of in other areas. And some people aren't, you know, aren't much in the way of, you know, they don't read very much. Some people don't read very well. And then it can be a struggle just to read. Some people also, some, then there's some that read a lot, but they don't really read spiritual reading. None of us can say that we read, you know, as we, as we ought. And then there's those that will, maybe they read all the, maybe they read the scriptures, but when they read, it's kind of more mechanical, and you can read it, and then you can close the Bible and pray, and, and you don't even really know that much about what you just read. And we can see that in ourselves, too. We can... There are times when that's true of us, too. Our mind is on something else. It's time to read, so we read, but really our mind is on something else, and we don't pay attention as we are. Yet, at the same time, even though that's true, we have, our own we have a sinful nature that we struggle against, we do see that the Spirit works in his sheep so that they do desire to be taught by him. And we do desire to talk about the things that we read. And how beautiful that is. And Lord willing, we'll talk about that, this some more tonight. How beautiful it is that when in the home this talking about the word of God is, is a common occurrence. And you could have perhaps somebody visiting you that comes from a home that that's not the case. And then they hear when the Bible's time to read the Bible, not only that it's read, but that there's discussion. And they think, man, they think, well, I, I don't remember. This didn't happen in, in my home. But I see how important it is. What a joy it is. And, and for people to learn from one another. Recognizing we need to learn. So that on the one hand we do see, our eyes are open, but on the other hand we also confess we have much to learn. And we also grow to see, and that's one of the things in this history too that's quite interesting, is that we see how even those that oppose the truth and may come against us, that that evil is turned to our profit, as it was here. That these Jewish leaders, as these Jewish leaders are opposed to this man, and even cast him out, that it's the case that that was turned, as evil as that was, that was turned to the profit of this man. They say something like, you know, they, or rather they specifically say, you know, he's a sinner. And then you hear what they say, 
and then recognize, well, no, we know that God heareth not sinners. And there are times when you hear what somebody else says that's wrong, and at first you wonder, now, what's wrong with that? And then you start to look into it and start looking to God to guide you and understand, and you see how it's, you grow to understand what the truth is over against what was said by others, and that that opposition was used to our profit. God is governing and directing everything. Even those that oppose us. And the things that they say, and the accusations they make, God is governing and directing all things. And he averts evil or he turns it to our profit. How do we know about the mediator? From what source do we know? From the gospel. Who has taught us? Christ is our teacher. How does he teach us? He, we, he speaks to us in the proclamation of the word. He guides us as we study the word in our homes. And also when we face opposition, we see how God uses that also for our profit. And though there is opposition, we're comforted knowing that we're safe. We're fed. We're safe. I am the door, our Lord said. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Christ said, he's the door. If any man enters in by him, he shall be saved He'd go in and out, he's safe, a fine pasture, he's fed. Though it be the case that he's in the midst of opposition, they just cast him out. Yet he's safe, he's secure. He's safe in the mediator, he's safe in Christ who died for him. How is it that you now see? Weren't you born blind? From a certain point of view? Isn't it the case that you were born blind? How is it that you now see? What do you say of him? The same questions that were asked of this man. Think of the questions coming to us. How is it that we see? What do we say of him? By the grace of God, may we glorify him. As this man said, Lord, I believe and worshiped him. May we glorify him. May we learn, continue to learn from him. May we submit to him. May we magnify the name of our Lord and our Redeemer. Amen. Let us pray. O oh Lord our God and our Father, we are thankful for thy word of truth, the gospel of grace, the good news concerning our Savior. 
We're so thankful we have life in him, life everlasting. Grant us grace to glorify thee, O Lord, and to learn. We have so much to learn. Grant us grace to learn and to grow and to live to thy honor. Grant that to us. Grant that to our children. Bless all thy saints and forgive our sins for Christ's sake. Amen. Amen.